Good morning. Well, it's a year since we've been here and there was no choir. You guys are awesome. And uh, we love the choir and uh, just love the vitality among the young people here and uh, can really see something's happened in the last year. It's awesome. And, you know, we really believe that God's going to move incredibly uh, in the next two decades among the under 30-year-olds in the earth. Do you know that half the world's population is under 25? It's like three and a half billion people under 25. So, you know, if God's going to do something in the nations, he'd be aiming for the youngsters. And we, the older ones, we get to champion you and help you. And, and, uh, and Joy made our day today. She called Greta and me youngsters. So thank you, Joy. That was, that was really good. So we're thrilled to be here. Uh, it's great staying with um, Paul and Sally Ann. They're a couple of the hardest working pastors we've ever met. Like they just put in hours that a lot of you guys would not know anything about, so uh, they're a blessing. But it's great to be here. Church Unlimited West is our home church, but we travel all the time. So I think we're in 49 different churches last year across different nations. So we get to meet a lot of people. Uh, and let me tell you, God is alive and well, and the church is doing great. We could do better, but it's doing great, and God's doing amazing things in the nations. But we love Northland. We just love this part of the country. We think it's amazing. Believe God's got better things. I was just asking the Lord in worship, got anything to say about Kaitara? And he just said, my eyes on it, my eyes on it. So when God's eyes on something, it means he's fixing to bless it, to want to do good for it. So keep praying that God, and I think you've been punching through in the heavens, you know, through prayer and worship. Seems like a greater lightness here that we've been coming four or five years. So something good's happening in Kai Tire. Let's believe it's going to continue. Greta's going to share first, then I'll come back. Thank you. Well, it's just wonderful to be here. And, you know, just seeing all of you up there and, and even younger ones, it just... It just gives me such excitement in my spirit. You know, I was reminded that in past moves of the Holy Spirit, in past revivals, you know, it's been a group, a small group of teenagers who've prayed and cried out to God, and God has moved. So you are never too young. And in an actual fact, um, if I would love to just pray a blessing over everyone who is 30 and under. If you would like to. Would, would you please stand? Please stand to your feet. Um, there's there's a, something that's been reverberating through my mind since yesterday. That, you know, Jesus came to set the captives free. Among other things, he came to do other things as well. But that particular one, and I feel God wants to release an anointing upon you. Just like Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. That's what each one of you say. He has anointed me to proclaim good news of hope about Jesus to, to the lost, to, to set the captives free. God wants to release a, a liberating, a freedom anointing on you. That anointing, the power of the spirit to set others free in your generation. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord to just receive that? In the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Receive the Spirit's power and love that you will, and I prophesy over you, that you will set captives free. You will liberate prisoners in your generation. 
In the name of Jesus, I bless you. And Father, I pray your keeping hand upon each one of your young people. Lord, I release your fire that they will run with your fire and power and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can sit. There was something I feel that the Lord is saying to the whole of Northland, and I feel this needs to go far and wide across the whole of Northland. The Lord has not forgotten you. You know, there are many remote little communities all scattered throughout Northland, and there are some people who feel isolated and forgotten by the rest of the country. And they say like Zion did in Isaiah 49, the Lord has forgotten me. But you know, no matter how humanly remote, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. Um, read Psalm 139. It's, it's an awesome psalm. And God has not forgotten you, Northland. He will never forget you. And this is what the Lord himself says in Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast, nursing her baby, feeding her baby, and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. I will not forget you. So I just, I leave that with you. And you, if you meet people from little remote communities, pass it on to them. Now, the word I want to share today is called, It is Time to Birth. And this word is for both men and women, male and female, for young and old. All right? Paul, a man, used this language. He said, my dear children, I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I'm going through labor pains for you again. So he used this language, and I'm going to explain what it means. God continually reveals his purposes to us. He speaks prophetic promises to us. But most of the time, they don't just automatically happen. God intends us to co-labor with him to fulfill them. He wants us to birth his purposes and promises through prayer, intercession. And 2019 is a year of birthing. God's been saying it is time to birth. And it is also a year of breakthrough. And in the prophetic, when it says a year of birthing, it means the season just keeps continuing. But this is where it is, it is beginning. And he's looking for anyone who has a heart like Mary. You know, she was surrendered to his will. She was humble. She was willing to be used by God to birth his purposes. And of course, she had a literal, physical, unique purpose of birthing the one and only Messiah. But this was her attitude. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you will. May your word to me be fulfilled. And what I love about Mary, she believed. Blessed is she or he who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will happen. So God challenges, will you believe simply what, what Jesus, what Father says in his word? God wants our faith to arise, to, to have complete confidence that what he says will happen. Be expectant, like an expectant mother is expecting the birth of a baby. Wait expectantly for, for the fulfillment with expectant faith. There are a number of you here. You are pregnant with promises God has given you. 
And this is the labor phase. Keep laboring in prayer. Keep pushing, and the suddenly of the birthing will happen. The Lord says, I am the God of the breakthrough. I bring to birth, and I bring the sudden breakthrough. And when we, when we are birthing, remember the rhythm. Just like the, those of you that, that are you know, mothers who've had babies, you will know this. That when you're, you're, a, you're giving birth to a baby in the labor phase, there's this um, act of pushing physically during the contraction. And then you totally rest and relax. And then you're pushing. And then you're resting and relaxing. And you repeat this rhythm. Well, with birthing a spiritual baby, it is exactly the same. You push in intercession. There's work. There's, there's a fight sometimes involved. And then you rest in intimacy. You just, in, in the Lord's presence, you rest and you enjoy Jesus. And then you repeat that. Intercede and intimacy, and the balance is absolutely important because then we will have the endurance to go the distance. There are things for you to birth in prayer, birth the dreams and the destiny God has deposited in you, birth the promises. Psalm 145 13 says this God always keeps his promises, he is the promise keeper. Keep laboring in prayer and you will see the promise fulfilled. Birth the miracles. God is calling all of us, no matter how young or old, to new levels of anointing and power. We never stop growing in God. And I pray however long, however old I become, that I will keep growing in the Lord. I love Psalm 77, 14, Micah 7, 15. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. I, the Lord, will work miracles just as I did before. He is the miracle worker. And he says to us, go do them in my name. This is the new era of signs, wonders, and miracles to accompany every believer as the norm, to accompany the gospel and the word preached as the norm. God is going to manifest multiplied miracles in our time. That's what I felt him say. And this thing of miracles, it's so on God's heart. He's even been speaking a number of times in my sleep. Here's one of them, things he said. Call forth miracles from the God of miracles. He will make a way where there is no way. And I have seen God do this in my own life a number of times where there's been a giant massive mountain in front of me. There was no way. And all of a sudden it just vanished as if it didn't exist. And it just, there was the straight way ahead to move forward. God is the God of miracles. Birth the breakthrough. Micah 2.13. The one who breaks open the way will go before them. They will break through and go out. He is the breaker, the way maker. God wants us to birth incredible breakthroughs. And he's really emphasized complete breakthroughs. Don't just settle for partial. Breakthroughs in our own lives, our family, in Kaitaia, and in our nation. 
He's calling us all to new levels of prayer and fasting, to co-labor with him, to birth awakening, to birth revival fires. I love that. That's God's heart. God's putting that cry in, in, in his people everywhere. You know, fire falls, spirit come, open the heavens, pour out your spirit. And, and as we pray this, God will do this because he's calling us to birth a great outpouring of the spirit actually across the whole earth. And Malachi 1.11, this is an important scripture that, I, that where God himself prophesies. And we are coming into the time where I believe he is going to fulfill it. And it's a bit like Isaiah 62 where it talks of the watchman. They will pray day and night continually. Malachi 1.11 says, But my name will be honored or worshipped by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world they will offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. And prophetically I feel God is saying that in the 2020s and beyond... There will be a mushrooming globally of 24-7 incense of prayer and um, offerings of worship to both release and to sustain God's specific purposes on the earth. So in closing, he's calling all of us to be champions of faith who birth the impossible like Mary. Praying and worshiping together is the catalyst that will birth God's purposes and plans in the earth. So he is saying, it is time to birth. Thanks, sweetheart. Birthing means to push. Pastor Tark, I love what he says about push. Push means pray until something happens. Say, turn to your neighbor and say, pray until something happens. Uh, That really is how it happens, friends, really is how it happens. I want to talk to you this morning about the fact that God is our way maker. We were singing that great song in worship. We can have the PowerPoint up, the slide, that'll be great. Um, We were in our home church, Church Unlimited West, uh, last year, just before Christmas. And um, you might see that little person standing right up on the right, thinking like, how am I going to get across that canyon? And you know, for some of us, our problems might look like that canyon, you know, we might be trying to get overcome some addictive sin. We might be uh, wanting to see a relationship restored, uh, somebody that we love saved, a marriage healed, financial breakthroughs, revival in our nation and in our community. There's all sorts of things that seem to look impossible, like that man or woman trying to figure out how would I get across there. But you know what? God can make a way where there is no way. And we were singing that great song uh, Sunday before Christmas in uh, Church Unlimited. And as we began to sing the chorus, which is coming up on the screen, uh, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, My God, that is who you are. As we began to sing that song in church, it's like the presence of God just hit the place. I mean, like, you know, there's a presence of God, which is, yeah, we feel God's presence. But then it just kind of went up so strongly. And whenever that happens in a meeting, it's like God's taking a highlighter pen and he's trying to highlight something to get our attention. And he sure got my attention. I thought, Lord, why are you so emphasizing with your presence this thing that we're singing? And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, because you're singing the theme song for 2019. 
And I thought, wow, 2019 and beyond, the years beyond are going to be about us if we have the faith for it, if we ask God for it, about us seeing miracles where we've never seen them before, where we're seeing God opening up ways we've never seen Him open up before, not only in our personal lives, but in our communities, in our nation, and in the nations of the earth. I believe this is going to go right on into the, 19, uh, into the 2020s. And so I did some study and I thought, Lord, you know, show me some things out of your word that kind of relate to you being the, the miracle way maker. And then two incidents in the Old Testament came to mind. A number of you will know these. Uh, the first incident is the crossing of the Red Sea. The Israelites had come out of Egypt, out of slavery. Moses had led them out and they journeyed and they were camping by the Red Sea. And there were mountains on the left and mountains on the right. And then they discovered that Pharaoh and the Egyptian army decided they didn't want to let them go after all. And so they were pursuing the Israelites to try and get them back to Egypt. So these guys, the people started panicking. There's about 3 million men, women, and children. And they start panicking and saying, Moses, what are we going to do? We can't go over the mountains. The Egyptian army's behind us. There's the sea in front. We're trapped. And, and this is what Moses says to them in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 to 16. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. There's some of you here today your mountain looks so big, you're really afraid. And what the devil's doing is lying at you and making you imagine the worst outcome. And he's trying to put fear in your heart. And, the, and I'm here to tell you today, do not be afraid. That's what Moses said to the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. How do you stand firm? You stand firm in faith. You stand firm in prayer. You stand firm in the Word of God. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. There's some of you fighting enemies right now. You need to know if you put your trust in God, you'll never see those enemies again. Believe God for outcomes. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Now Moses had been a shepherd for 40 years, so he had a shepherd's staff that he carried. Just a long pole with a hook on the top. That's a shepherd's staff. And he'd used that at different times. Um, and, and if you look through um, a little bit later in Exodus, you find that that's, that staff is symbolic of authority and prayer. Because later on, um, some nasty people called the Amalekites attacked the Israelites, and Joshua has to lead the army out to fight them. And whenever Moses lifted up his staff, Joshua won. When he lowered the staff, Joshua lost the battle. The staff is symbolic. It represents persistent, authoritative prayer that touches heaven. When you touch heaven in your praying, your enemies on earth become defeated. And when we don't pray, we, we allow the enemy to have victory. And so God tells Moses, stretch out your staff. In other words, he would be saying to us today, keep praying persistently towards that miracle. And so Moses does that. Now, the Hollywood version of this is Moses stretches out his staff and suddenly the waters part and they just go through on dry ground. 
But that's actually not what the Bible says. If we read the next couple of verses, Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 to 22, it says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. So Moses stretches out his staff and I suspect he had to keep holding it out. And in response to him holding out his staff, which is like us keeping on praying and not tiring, God, what does God do? He sends a wind. You know, whenever you pray for a miracle, you got a loved one. You got a son that's on drugs. I had a son on drugs for 12 years, methamphetamine, dealing in it. Uh, you know, whenever you got need in your family, you, got a, uh, you want to see a miracle, you want to see a breakthrough. You know, when you persistently pray to heaven, you know what God always does? He sends a wind. And the wind is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. He sends the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God begins to blow on that person. The Spirit of God begins to blow into that situation. And all night long, it took all night. And you might be in an all night long right now. You've been praying and praying and praying and nothing's been happening. And you're at the point of, well, that's not working. Listen, I'm here to say to you, keep praying. Keep holding out your staff. Don't drop it to the ground. Keep praying for that loved one. Keep praying for that miracle. Keep praying for that job. Some of you haven't got jobs here. Hey, there's a father in heaven that loves you. He's got the perfect job for you. And if you're willing to work, hard and pray, I tell you what, that job will come to you. Just don't give up. Don't give up looking. Don't give up searching. And certainly don't give up praying. When praying, when the favor of God is on you, you'll have favor with people. So they go through the, they go through the waters. And of course, the Egyptians try to follow and the Lord dumps the water back and they all drown and the Israelites move on and they, they are delivered. And it might take all night long, but God will make a way in the end. Some of you haven't got a clue about your future. You might be at school. You haven't got a clue what you're going to do. What am I going to do when I leave school? Am I going to stay here? Am I going to go somewhere else? Am I going to, go, am I going to get a job? Am I going to go studying? What am I going to do? You should be praying about that now. You should be asking God, Lord, direct my footsteps. Show me what I'm meant to do. And you know what? God will do it. How many have heard of a man called John Wesley? Okay, John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist denomination. And uh, he lived in the 1700s in England. And he was a young man, probably in his 20s. And God called him to start revival in England. And so he began to preach. He was like a revivalist evangelist. And he began to preach up and down England. And, and his message uh, was a bit like John the Baptist, you know, repent, get back to God. Because, you know, England at that time in the 1700s, they were, they, it was a terrible situation. You know, it was immoral. There was a lot of crime. There was a lot of immorality. People were, you know, turning away from God. The church was pretty traditional. And so Wesley comes on the scene and he's preaching about getting back to God and turning from your sin and all of this stuff. Well, you can imagine his message wasn't that popular to begin with. And I've got an excerpt from his diary here that I'm going to read to you. 
And I don't know the year it happened, but uh, he, he lists the day and the month, but it's sometime in the fifth, uh, 1700s. He says, Sunday morning, May the 5th, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday evening, May the 5th, preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May the 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday morning, Sunday morning, May the 19th, preached in St. Somebody's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday evening, May the 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday morning, May the 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of meadow as bull was turned loose during service. That was extreme. Sunday morning, June the 2nd, preached out on the edge of town, kicked off the highway. You'd think the guy would give up by now, wouldn't you? Okay, Sunday afternoon, June the 2nd, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. Persistence, persistence. He never gave up. And the thing about John Wesley that you might not know is, you know, his practice was to pray four hours every day. Just like he would pray 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. every day, four hours. Now, I don't know about you, I can't pray for four hours at a stretch at the moment. I may have done it once in my life, but right now I don't have that capacity. Anyone with me? Any, can anyone pray four hours here? Just tell me. You can come and lay hands on me later if you can. Okay, some of us can't even go longer than five minutes or ten minutes. So this guy's praying four hours. But listen, you know what? I've, I can't pray for four hours right now, but you know what I can do? I can ask God to increase the muscle of prayer in my life. I can ask God to increase my capacity. I can ask God to give me more hunger. Now, your prayer life might be zero today. You don't pray much at all, which is probably why you're having so many problems. Because if you don't pray, you don't allow God to really come and touch your life. And so you're just going to be a victim of circumstances, a victim of what the devil or people want to do to you. But when you begin to pray and you call on heaven, you know what happens? God stands up. Hey, that's one of my kids praying. And God gets very interested in your life. And he, he, he begins to inspire you to pray for victories. And your prayer life might be zero. But here's the challenge. Could your zero become 10 minutes a day? Could you do that? You may not do four hours, but could you do, and I'm not talking about, you know, praying while you're watching TV. You can do that. Praying while you're gardening, praying while you're driving a car. That's all good. I'm talking about getting alone with God in your bedroom or going for a walk, you and God alone, and you're praying. And you're asking the Holy Spirit to help you figure out what to pray. And you're praying your needs and you're praying for the town and you're doing whatever. Could you do 10 minutes? from zero. Or maybe you do 10 minutes every day anyway. Hey, could you make that 20? Could you go beyond where you are? Maybe you pray half an hour every day. Good on you. Could you make it an hour? And it's not the time. It's just saying, God, grow me beyond where I am. I want to say, I believe there are people in this room, if you will step your prayer life up, and lay hold of God and stretch out your staff a little bit longer, you will begin to see breakthroughs in your lives. Prayerlessness is a curse. And I love the fact about Church Unlimited, the culture of any Church Unlimited church is we're going to pray, we're going to ask God, and we're going to, you know, and the fact is the Holy Spirit will help you. 
There was another incident in the Old Testament that illustrates how God can make a way when there is no way. And this happened 40 years after the crossing of the Red Sea. Moses was now dead. And Joshua was the leader, and he was meant to lead his people into the promised land, which is where Israel is today. Trouble is, they were camped on the east side of the Jordan River, and the promised land, where all the good things were going to happen, was on the west side, and they had to cross this river, and the river was flooded. It was fast flowing. And Joshua didn't know how he was going to get three million people across this river. What am I going to do? So he asked God. You know when you don't know what to do? Pray and ask God, what what should I do in this situation? Because you know what? God will make a way where you see no way. He's looking at a flooded river. He knows he can't build a bridge big enough to get three million people across. He he can't build enough boats to ferry them across. He's going to need a miracle. And so Joshua asked God, what do I do? How do I get across this river? And you know what God says to him? Joshua 3, verse 8. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Now, let's back up a bit. Anyone know what the Ark of the Covenant is? A few of you. It's a rectangular box, cube, cuboid box, uh, wooden, overlaid with gold. It's got a lid on it with a couple of angels carved into the lid. And inside are the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments. Got a couple of rings on each side. They put a pole through. And four priests would hoist this Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And whenever the Israelites moved, they'd be carrying this thing on their shoulders. The Ark of the Covenant represent, uh, Ark means box, okay? Ark, just think box. It's a box. Uh, It represents the presence of God. And actually, if you were an Israelite and you were allowed to glimpse the Ark of the Covenant, you'd see this bright shining light coming from it. And because God manifest, manifested his presence over that thing. So it represents the presence of God. And so what Joshua says to these priests, hey, you four guys, I want you to get, put the poles through the ark and I want you to hoist it onto your shoulders. And God's told me the way we're going to get across the Jordan River is for you to step into the river. And they're probably thinking, Joshua, you've got to be kidding. This river's flooded. We could get swept away. Are you sure that's what God's told you? Yeah, yeah, that's what God's told me. Hoist the ark on your shoulders and, and step, take a few steps into the river. And God's going to do something. Don't know what, but he's going to do something. And you know what? The front two priests, I reckon they thought we drew the short straw. At least the back two could still be on dry land, but we're in the river. And, you know, they kind of, they cannot figure this out. But then something amazing happens. They're obedient to Joshua. They They grab it, they step into the river a few steps, and and then we read what happens next. uh, Joshua chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water. The flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. And the water that below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. When you read that, you might think, 
just looking at it that it happened instantly, but actually it says that when the, when the priest stepped into the water, somewhere upstream at a town called Adam, something happened to stop the river flowing. Don't know if God sent an earthquake. You know, sometimes land comes up and it creates a dam. Maybe that happened. Anyway, at this town called Adam, something happened. The water stopped flowing, so all the water backed up to the Sea of Galilee, and all the water that was there that had to keep flowing down to where the Israelites were. Now, it tells us, well, Greta did some research. The town of Adam was 30 kilometers upstream from where the priest stepped into the water. Okay, it's 30 k's away. It's a fair distance. Not only that, Greta discovered the normal flow rate of the Jordan River normally is about, what is it, 18 meters a second? Yeah, which is about 65 kilometers an hour. So you're doing, you know, you're doing 65 k's in your car. That's about how quickly. Now in flood season, the water flows quicker. So Greta discovered that in flood season, the Jordan flows at about 80 kilometers an hour. So you've got 30 kilometers. The water's stopped, but the rest of it's got to keep flowing. 30 kilometers to cover. It's doing a speed of 80 kilometers an hour. Anyone take physics here? You guys take physics at high school? Okay, you can't work it out? All right, okay. Well, time equals... Distance divided by speed, okay? Simple formula. I'll work it out for you. It's 22 minutes, okay? So the priests step into the water. Something happens up here at Adam to stop the water flowing. All the water's got to keep flowing beyond that point, and it takes 22 minutes to get to the priests before dry ground appears. You can imagine what's going through the priest's mind. Like they're in the water for five minutes and nothing's happened. To their eyesight, nothing's happened. They don't know that a miracle's happened upstream. And those priests are thinking like, my feet are getting cold. I don't want to be in this water anymore. Can we get out, Joshua? Joshua says, no, stay there. Ten minutes go by. Nothing's happening. Those priests are thinking like, I don't think Joshua's heard from God. This is nonsense. Fifteen minutes go by. They say, we are, con- we are convinced Joshua has not heard from God, and this is not going to look good on his CV, let me tell you. 20 minutes go by. They're saying, we've got to get out of here. But Joshua says, keep staying. And within a couple of minutes, they see the last of the water flowing towards them. And a dry riverbed, that is the Jordan River, by the way, the dry riverbed appears. And three million walk over that dry river, into their destiny, into the promised land, into God's blessing, into God's abundance. And stepping into the river, holding out the staff represents prayer, but stepping into the river represents action, faith and action. When you know God's told you to step out, and you step out, and you do something, then God will bless you, and God will part the waters. You know, we're itinerant ministries. So like Many itinerant ministries in New Zealand, we don't get paid by a church. So the way it works is that we go to a church and minister and they'll give us a a gift and we bank that and and our our board pays us a salary and we use the rest of the finance to, to fund our 
travel. And like any itinerant ministry over summer in New Zealand, we don't get to minister because churches kind of go on holiday and they don't want guest speakers so much. And that's fine. We need a holiday. Like I said, we were in 49 churches last year. So that's, that's quite a lot. But the point is that we got to the end of January this year. And I said to Greta, honey, our ministry funds are really, really low. We're just not going to make it through the next month. And I, I said, we, we actually need to believe God for $10,000 just to get up and running again. Because that's kind of like the monthly budget, travel and all the stuff that goes on. We have to believe God for. So we began, we said, okay, Lord, we're here. We, we have lack. And there's the promised land, $10,000. And here's this river of unbelief and doubt. And oh, is God going to provide? And we're just going to have to step into the river and begin to pray, Lord, thank you that you're a miracle working God. Now, the first thing we did is we gave $800 to another itinerant ministry. Because you know, when you've got a need, you sow away from yourself in faith. And then the second thing we did is we went through all our spending to see where we could cut out any unnecessary expenditure. I mean, if you're asking God to bless you financially, well, hey, stay generous and look at your spending to see if you can cut any unnecessary expenditure out. We did it, and our board said, we don't think you can do any more. You're going to have to trust God, so we did. And then a donation of $500 came, got put in our account. Um, and then a, a big church in Auckland, but we hadn't ministered in it for a couple of years. They decided to somehow, out of the blue, give us $3,000. So they put $3,000 in our account. Wow. And then someone else gave us $500. And so we had 4000 but we were praying for 10000 So we had to stay in the waters because it'd be pretty tempting to say, well, that's enough. We, and then we were going, uh, this is about another month after we started praying, we were going to a little meeting in a church uh, in Auckland that was just starting up an evening service. That so was pretty small, 30, 40 people. And we went there and we got there early and we got chatting to a few people. And one of them was a businessman we knew. And he said this to us. He said, what's the greatest need in your ministry right now? And I, I thought, well, it's finance, but I'm not going to tell you that because I don't want to beg or anything. I, and I, went, oh, um, I said, is it finance? I said, well, yes, it is actually. He said, good, I'm going to put $1,000 in your account tomorrow. I said, well, thank you so much. I said, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, we have the greatest financial need we've ever had in 10 years of ministry. He said, great, I'll double it to 2000 And then I'm trying to think, what now can I say to get that increased again? But nothing else came. So that was at $2,000. We did the meeting. God blessed it. It was great. A lot of people were blessed. And we're driving home, and I say to Greta, isn't that amazing? Who would think? Then this little meeting on a Sunday night somewhere in Auckland, God had put a businessman uh, in there because he wanted to meet the need. And we just say, thank you, Lord, and bless that man. But then on the way home, I said, but you know what, honey? 2,000, it's only going to make 6,000 that's coming. We really need 10,000. And it would have been tempting just to settle. So we actually decided, Lord, we prayed, Lord, tell him to make it 6,000. You have not because you ask not. So we felt bold to pray that. Well, I checked the bank account the next day. You know what? He'd put in $6,000. 10000 had came in. God is faithful. And I, I asked the Lord, should I share that here in Kaitaia when there's unemployment and people are struggling just to pay for groceries? Should I share that story? 
And God says, I want you to share that this morning to encourage my people. Even if you have a need for $50 or $100, you go and ask your father and look that he will provide and supply in amazing ways. If you're willing to work, if you're willing to not be a spendthrift, if you're willing to be generous and willing to trust God, let me tell you, God will provide the work. God will provide the finance. He really, really will. I better wrap this up because time is going. You know what? God makes a way where there's no way. He moves mountains that have been immovable. He makes roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He opens doors that nobody will shut. He makes the impossible possible. He saves the hopelessly lost. He heals the desperately sick. God does it. That son of ours that was in drugs for 12 years, we had to step into the river of faith and prayer and say, God, bring him back to yourself and get him out of drugs. And we prayed for 12 years and showed him lots of love. You know what? Today he's a pastor in a church in Auckland. God got a hold of him, saved him, delivered him, set him free. And now he's leading, uh, well, not leading a church, but on staff of a large church in Auckland. There will be breakthroughs if we persistently hold out the staff of prayer. There will be miracles that when you step into the river, you may not see them instantly, but in the unseen, invisible spiritual realm, something happens the moment you step out in faith. God takes notice. And while it might take 22 minutes, 22 days, 22 months, even sometimes 22 years for that miracle to flow to you, just stay in faith in the river. And keep trusting God. We're going to pray into that in a moment. But you know what? Can I just say this as we close? One of the greatest ways that God has made on planet earth for his lost sons and daughters to come back to him. And the way he made that way is he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross that our sins could be forgiven. Because when God looks on seven and a half billion people on planet earth, they're all his sons and daughters. He made them all, but not all of them know him. And he can't let all of them into heaven if they don't know him. But this this is the truth. Jesus said about himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. He's the way. The Bible says, as many that receive Jesus, who believe in his name, he gives them power to become a child of God. When you come into God's family, then Father can bless you. He can forgive your sin. And when you die, you go to heaven. You live with him forever instead of going to hell. And I just wonder, are there some people here this morning that you've never known that Jesus is the way? Or maybe you've done it, but you've just never gone through the doorway and you've never given your life to Christ or asked him to forgive you. Or maybe you've done that in times past, but you know today you've walked right away from God. You need to come back. Can we all close our eyes to help us concentrate? And I'm just gonna ask you, because I'd love to pray a prayer that would allow you to give your life to Jesus or come back to him this morning. And uh, if you know that you need to give your life to Jesus or come back to him, right where you're sitting, right now, would you quickly lift your hand in the air? I'll spot it and you can put it down. Is there someone saying, yeah, I need Jesus in my life or I need to come back to him? Just quickly raise your hand right now. Just hold it up high and I'll acknowledge it. You'll be able to put it down. God bless you, young man. And right down the back, sir, thank you. Anyone else? Just quickly raise your hand.
I know time is gone um, and we should be finished, but listen, can you give us just another five minutes? Is that okay? And uh, you can sack me later. Uh, But uh, I believe there needs to be a response to what Greta shared and what I've shared. God really does want to birth miracles, but we've got to keep pushing. And He really does want to make a way where there seems to be no way. And, And it might be that you need God to do a miracle might be a miracle of healing, a miracle of financial breakthrough, a miracle of seeing a relationship healed. Could be that you need God to make a way for you that you can't seem to move forward and you need God to open up a way. It could be that you just need uh, God to do something. It could be that you've got a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister or a parent or a child that doesn't know Jesus and you know they need to be in the kingdom. And what we're going to do is we're going to sing this song, Waymaker, again. As we sing it, I want you to be singing it for the miracle you need. And when we get to that chorus, Waymaker, I want you to declare it. I want you to think of your problem. Think of your thing that you need. And I want you to sing those words to that impossible situation might be a sin that you're trying to beat and you just haven't been able to beat it. I want you to sing in faith that God is going to give you the way to break through in that thing. And as we sing it as an act of faith, not only as we're singing it, as an act of faith to step into the water, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and come and stand down the front. And by doing that, you're really saying, Lord, I'm stepping into that Jordan River today and I'm believing you for that miracle. So as soon as we start to sing this, come on, you come out the front. Let's stand here together. Let's believe God for what He's gonna do. Thanks, Emma.